You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group 1 Realty Studio in Westmeal. John Tabor doing a fabulous job at the back of the Sports Talk 97.7 headquarters in Ruston. And now joining us on the Stuart Shelby hotline for his weekly visit, the coach, Jack Thigpen. What up, bud? How you doing this morning? Good morning. Good morning. I'm doing fine. Looking forward to the nice ball game. Yeah, Jack, we got a lot to break down. I want to start with this, and this is probably the hardest-hitting question I got for you. Jake Martin over here, I I say it's un-American. He says one shining moment. He is not a huge fan of it. He would put, put it on mute tonight. What do you think about that from the young whippersnapper? Well, I think it's, uh, he's too young to appreciate good stuff. I think that's what it is. I, I love that. I love that run shining moment. I think the song is wonderful, and I love to go back and, and, and see all the moments that took place in that tournament. And, and, of course, there's some great victory moments and great defeat moments. You know, the, it, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat, so to speak, as they used to do in the wide world of sports. And, you know, I, just, I, I, do, I love it. I think it's a wonderful uh, way to end this show. Take that, Jake. It's just a new song. That's all I'm saying. A new song. Yeah. Mess with tradition. That's right. That You know, there's certain things that, like, one shining moment just goes with that tournament. You know, when you hear one shining moment, you think of the NCAA tournament. There are certain songs that you think of certain things, and when you start changing them all up, I think it loses some of the tradition, as you said. So, I, yeah, I think we need to keep the song. The other thing, after watching this weekend, and, of course, what took place with uh, Rafferty and Grant Hill and, and Jim Nance, I'm thinking you and Nitz need to be closer to the court so perhaps we could have a scenario like that play off. <laughs> well, you know, uh, we have had several balls kind of come our way every once in a while. And of course, Dave was a, a basketball player, and he loved to shoot. He cocks his arm getting ready to catch it and shoot it if it comes <laughs> his way. But, well, I guess we've never had a player run over the top of us like uh, happened mm-hmm. the other day. But... You know, we do get some courtside seats in some of the some of the places, and you know, courtside seats is as long as you're on the opposite side of the bench are good. But a lot of times when we broadcast in radio, they will put us on courtside seats right next to the team, and the coaches always stand up and they walk and they stand right in front of us most of the time. Sometimes there's an official that's standing in front of us. We can't see half the game in some of these games we broadcast because of the people in front of us or the coaching officials. So, of course, they're on the opposite side of the court than the, the bench, so they don't have they kind of have an obstructed view, which is which is okay. But uh, you know, they did they got they got run over pretty good there. They were right in the middle of the action, that's for sure. Before we get into tonight's matchup between Villanova and Michigan, I don't have any, I have not much of an opportunity to watch the women's Final Four. But just three incredible games. Jack, uh, what does that say about the women's game and the fact that everybody was talking about UConn going into this year in this tournament, the fact they were undefeated, and they don't even play for a national title? Well, you know, that's right. And I do enjoy the women's game, particularly when you get uh, some good teams playing each other. I know there's a lot of lopsided games that happened during the course of the year and early part of that tournament. I don't really care to watch those. But I did watch the Final Four, and, you know, I think it, it – it bodes for the fact that there are more good teams around the country now than UConn, but at the same time, the top four number one seeds played, and a lot of people say, well, the tournament committee got it right. You know, they did such a great job of, of picking the top four teams, 
and that's true. But I think to me it also says that there's not many other teams that can compete with those guys. You know, the, the number of teams that can challenge those four are, are limited, where in the men's game the the talent is, is so divided, there's a lot of teams that can play with some of those top teams in the country. But, yeah, I did enjoy that. And, of course, UConn, watching them play the other night when they got beat, I just didn't think that they were as good as they have been in the past. They just didn't look like the typical UConn team. But they hadn't lost a game all year, but I don't think they played that caliber of of team uh, very many times during the course of the year. But, you know, it was fun. You know, the two overtime games in the semifinals, you know, that's almost unheard of. And then last night's game uh, came down to that final shot with Notre Dame winning. I, I watched that, and, and, man, what a dramatic finish that was. And I was pulling for Mississippi State, and, you know, I sure was sorry to see that them lose, particularly in that manner. Coach, how many times do we see it, especially we're talking about that semifinal game at Notre Dame and UConn, when a team literally blows a lead like Notre Dame did in those closing seconds and still be able to, to get regrouped and to go out and win it in overtime? Because most of the time that does not happen, especially the way that, that they blew that and the epic collapse that they had at the end of regulation. No, you're exactly right. And a lot of times when you lose a lead like that, you just kind of get down the other team's got the momentum going. And, you know, the overtime is not very long. And a lot of times a team that can get out early in overtime and, and get a lead can hang on and win the game. So, uh, And usually a team like that, as you mentioned, that loses the league right before the end of the regulation, you know, emotionally they're not ready to just jump right back in and play an overtime game where the team that came from behind, you know, they're excited, they're ready, they want to just keep playing. And so it was, it was uh, – very unusual for that to happen, but you've got to give a lot of credit to Notre Dame. They just regrouped and came back out there, and they were very determined. Uh, Loyola versus Michigan. It was 29-22 at the half. Some said it was ugly. Others says it was, say it was just a defensive masterpiece by both squads. As you were watching that thing uh, in the first half, what were you thinking, Coach? Well, I was thinking a little bit of both, to be perfectly honest with you. I thought defensively was just a super game. I tell you what, Loyola Chicago's defense to me – was just outstanding. I really started watching, I guess, their defense more that game than maybe I had before, but they were just so good. They closed out so well. They helped. They, they you know, didn't let Michigan get to the basket very much. They really covered those shooters. I thought they just played outstanding defense. And, and of course, both, both teams, I thought, were tight. They, they missed some shots. Loyal Chicago had a lot of drives to the basket in, in close-in shots, layups, and that sort of stuff. It just didn't go down, and that's not typical. But, you know, they were nervous, I'm sure, and, and a little tight in that particular game. And I thought there was a little lack of offense, which was kind of frustrating in the fact that they were missing some shots. And at the same time, I thought it was excellent defense on both both sides, both Michigan and Loyola Chicago. So I think it was a little bit of both. Michigan outscores Loyola Chicago 47-28 to 28 in the second half. Was it just them catching up with them and certainly a better team overall than Loyola Chicago? Well, probably Michigan's a little bit better, but Loyola Chicago's awful good. I mean, those guys are good. It, you know, what happened, they, for whatever reason, if you remember, Loyola Chicago started turning the ball over, and I understand they turn it over a pretty good amount during a regular season game, which is not good for them, but they are able to overcome that. 
But what they have like five consecutive possessions where they over where they turned the ball over and Michigan, you know, capitalized and scored on it. And they had that little stretch, and that was the difference in the ball game, in my opinion. And I, I just thought, uh, you know, it was a, it was a heck of a ball game. I thought all the way down, and I certainly hated to see Loyola Chicago turn it over like that and, and lose a game. And I, like I said, I think because of that. Uh, but it it was a it was a hard fought ball game all the way down. The other game, of course, featured Villanova versus Kansas. We were looking forward to this matchup, and it got ugly early on as Villanova comes out and shoots lights out, and ultimately make eighteen three pointers in the game, which is a Final Four record. What do you make of uh, Villanova's hot shooting versus Kansas? Well, I thought Villanova certainly, obviously, everybody that watched that game saw how how good they shot the basketball. On the other hand, I was a little disappointed in Kansas's defense. I, I thought Villanova had a lot of open threes, open looks from the three-point line. And, you know, it's, they can obviously shoot the ball extremely well. They have all year. But it's a lot easier to shoot a three-pointer when you're open than it is when you got somebody in your face. And I just did not think that Kansas was on top of their game defensively. I'm interested to see tonight. I really think Michigan's defense is going to be better than Kansas's defense. And I don't think Michigan is going to give Villanova as many open looks from the three-point line. Now, the way they run their offense, I'm sure they'll get a few open looks. But I don't think they'll get as many. And it'll be interesting to see if they can shoot the three as well tonight as they did the other night, particularly if Michigan really gets out there and guards them and, and doesn't let them get those open looks. And then, of course, Michigan's got some good inside play, too, you know, with Mo Wagner or Wagner, I even pronounce his last name as you've been talking about. You know, he's pretty good hanging around that basket and he go out on the floor and shoot. And uh, they've got some good inside people, too. And that was one thing about Loyola. Uh, Chicago, they had the one big guy, but he had to go out and rest so much. And when he went out, they just didn't have much of an inside presence. And I thought that hurt them. But Michigan's got some depth on the inside, too, around the basket. And I think that'll make a difference tonight. It'll be a good ball game, I think. And I I think Michigan's really going to defend Villanova. I still think Villanova's probably the best team. But I think Michigan's got a shot at it. Hmm. Uh, Jay Wright, what would you consider him when you're talking about college coaches among the best? Does he deserve to be up in their top three, top five? Well, you know, he's awful good. He's been consistent over the last few years. Uh, he probably dresses better than any other coach that I've seen. You know, he's always got that coat buttoned up. But, no, I think that he's he's an excellent coach. I don't know a lot about him. Uh, you know, I, some of these other coaches, I, I used to go to a lot of coaches' clinics and stuff, and I've heard them talk, and I know a little bit about some of these guys. But I really don't know that much about Jay Wright other than just watching his teams play. But uh, he's, he's awful good, and he's been consistent. He's gone to Villanova, and that's not, you know, the big name name place, you know, like a – like a UCLA or a Kentucky or someplace like that, and he's really built that program up to be one of the best programs in the country. And I think he's got to be mentioned among the best coaches going right now for sure. The young whippersnapper over here, Jake Martin, says he may have to take a nap uh, later today to be able to stay up for the 8:20 tip time tonight. What about you, Coach? You're going to be raring to go to watch this all the way to the end. Oh yeah, oh I am, I am. I'll watch it till the very end and. Uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm more of a night guy than an early morning guy, and I don't stay up real late, but I won't have any problem staying up to the end of this game. But I do hate that it is on that late. I, I know some people, particularly on the East Coast, it's going to be awful late by the time this game's over with. I wish it would start a little early. I think they're probably setting a time where everybody maybe out on the West Coast will be home and be able to sit down and watch it. And, but it's awful late for us on the Central and East Coast uh, time zones. But I'll certainly be there, no question. 
Uh, Jack, you got a black uh, blast from the past for us this morning? Well, I do. Let me mention one thing before I mention that blast from the past. I want to give kudos to Conference USA. I don't know if people have thought about this, but Conference USA, listen to this is what they've done in the postseason real quick. Marshall was a representative of Conference USA, went to the NCAA tournament. They beat Wichita State in the first round. That's the fourth consecutive year that a Conference USA team has won the first round game in the NCAA tournament. Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee go to the NIT. Middle Tennessee beats Vermont the first game, and they were probably right on the bubble to go to the NCAA tournament. Then Kermit Davis makes an announcement that he's going to go to Ole Miss. Middle Tennessee goes to Louisville. They get beat, and I think part of the reason they didn't play well is because Kermit Davis is announcing the players know he's leaving. But anyway, they get beat at Louisville. But Western Kentucky goes to the Final Four in the NIT, gets to Madison Square Garden. North Texas is in the CBI, and they win the CBI tournament. So, you know, what a, what a great run in postseason for these guys from Conference USA, and I think that needs to be mentioned. Uh, yeah, I kind of, my, my, my blast from the past, so to speak, I had the privilege of uh, working with Coach Vining as assistant coach, and for the first time that ULM at Northeast, and I'm going to call them Northeast, went to the NCAA tournament in 1982, and watching the tournament this year and seeing how it's evolved kind of made me reflect back to the year that we went back in 1982, which was the first time, like I said, that Northeast went to the NCAA tournament. Let me let me real quickly go over some of those. Right now, just to mention some so we could compare them, right now there's 68 teams, as you know, playing that tournament. Every team that makes a tournament, the NCAA will send a chartered plane and to, to pick those teams up and fly them directly to the sites that they play. There's four regions around the country, two sites in each region. Well, so we have eight teams in each one of those sites. All of them, all of them play the first night. When teams uh, arrive at the sites, they always arrive two days early, and the day before they have an open practice at the facility for about an hour. It's open to the public. Anybody can go. The fans that get there can go watch their teams practice. Of course, they have big press conferences and a lot of media people there and all that. All the games are televised, as we all know. And for the most part, the teams are sent to regions close to where they are, except maybe for a number one, number two seed. Some of the higher seeds, if you have two of the top seeds in one region, they will break those up. But the lower seeds are mostly, for the most part, sent to regions to play close to where they're located. Now, real quick, the 81-82 team out at Northeast, some of the listeners may remember that team. Donald Wilson from up at Homer, Terry Martin from Shady Grove, who is down around Saline, who's the head coach at Richwood right now, Gerald Goose Morris played at Carroll High School, and our guy Keith Richard, that coaches ULM, he's from Baton Rouge, and Vernon Butler, a guy from Mississippi. Those were the starting five on that team. And then Bobby Joe Douglas from Marion, who's still around, helping Terry Walter over at St. Frederick's. A guy named Bruce Williams from Florine. Those were the starters on that team. At that time, that team was in the Transamerica Athletic Conference, what we call the TAC Conference. We finished third in the league. But at that time, the, there was the tournament, the conference tournament, was going to, be hold, going to be held at one of the conference team sites. Our athletic director at that time was Benny Hollis. Everybody remembers old Benny Hollis. He got the bid, and Northeast hosted the conference tournament. We beat Houston Baptist the first round, beat Northwestern from Natchitoches in the second round, and ended up beating Centenary in the finals to send us to the NCAA tournament. At that time, 
the NCAA tournament had 48 teams in it. It actually, in 1980, had increased, increased from 40 to 48. So there's only 48 teams. There was four regions like there is now, two sites at each region, but there was only six teams at each one of the sites. The first and second seed of each one of those sites got a bye, and the bottom four seeds played. So there was two games at the site, and then the two teams got byes, and then the next, next night there was two sites. The regional sites of first and second round at that time, there was a site held in Nashville, Tennessee. There was one in Dallas. There was one in Tulsa. But the NCAA sent northeast to Pullman, Washington, at the, where Washington State is. Instead of a chartered flight, we had to fly commercial. We left the day before the game. We went out to Monroe, caught the flight. Most of our team had never flown before. Back then, we bust all our games. We never flew anywhere, hardly. They'd never, they'd never flown. They were scared. All our players were pretty scared when they got on that plane in Monroe. I remember we flew to Dallas. Then they were feeling a little bit better. It was a pretty good flight. We flew from Dallas to Tacoma, Washington. And I want to mention, when we got on the plane in Monroe, my wife, she, she can fly all right, but she always takes some Dramamine. She brought some Dramamine and asked our guys if they wanted some Dramamine to help them on the flight. And no, no, they were too macho to take Dramamine. You know, no, no, they didn't want that. But anyway, we got to, from Dallas to Tacoma. When we had to fly from Tacoma to Pullman, Washington, was on a little small plane. It was like a puddle jumper. Those guys, they didn't realize what was fixing to happen. They were fine. They get on the plane. We take off, and that plane bounced and bounced up and down on that sky all the way to Pullman. They would hit an air pocket, and that flight, that plane would drop. It seemed like just like it was dropping out of the sky. If anybody's ever flown on those small planes, that that happened. You look over, and our players were scared to death. They were looking at barf bags, and they were uh, gripping their seats. I mean, they were scared. Some of those guys said, man, if I ever get off an airplane, this airplane, I'll never get on another plane again. Coach Vining looked over and said, well, if you don't get on a plane again, it's going to be a long walk back to Monroe. When they got off the plane, about half of them went running and kissed the ground. But we landed in Pullman, Washington the day before the game. We get to our hotel, and they had a sign up there welcoming, welcoming us to our hotel, and it said, Welcome Northeastern Louisiana University. They didn't even know who we were. We were Northeast. They put Northeastern. One of our boosters that was with us on the flight, Melvin Ward, who's still around here, he didn't like that at all. He went to the manager of the hotel and told him, Get that sign down. We're not Northeastern. And they changed the sign, put it back up. The next day, though, we go to Washington State that morning, practiced a little bit, kind of by ourselves, played that night. And they, as I mentioned, there were six teams. There was only two games that night. We played the first game. We played Iowa. Coach Luke Olson was a coach at Iowa. Some may remember him after a year or so at Iowa. We went to Arizona and had some great teams there at Arizona. Back then, teams were the games were not televised much. Very few games were televised. ESPN would pick up a few games here and there, but not many. But in 1982 was the first year that CBS bought the contract to to televise the NCAA tournament, and our game was on national television on CBS, Northeast and Iowa, one of the first games that, on, that CBS ever broadcast in the NCAA tournament. And they did not broadcast all the games then, but they did broadcast our game. We played Iowa, as I said. Pepperdine played Pittsburgh in that game, and then uh, we were actually, when we played Iowa, we led them at halftime, 29-28, with about – a little over five minutes left to go in the game. The score was tied, 53-53, but we ended up losing 70 
to 63. And then after the ball game, we went back to the hotel. We uh, were kind of late time. We got through with everything. We got back to the hotel, and NCAA people came to us and said, you've got an early flight. I don't remember how early, probably 7 o'clock in the morning, to go back to Monroe. So we had to get up early the next day, go to the airport, repeat that flight all the way back to Monroe. And I'm going to tell you, it was an all-day adventure going from Monroe to Pullman, Washington, and coming back. So our experience is the NCAA tournament. We left one day. We flew all one day, played the next, got up the next morning, flew all the next day coming back. A lot of difference in the way the NCAA tournament is run nowadays. Small schools getting the shaft even back then. Appreciate yeah, exactly. the time, Jack. Enjoy the game tonight, bud. Thank you. Appreciate it, Aaron. Yeah. How odd. Now I think about it. You know, I was 11 years old. I'm sure I was watching that Iowa game versus Northeast. Who would have thought it? Yeah, and now <laughs> – didn't like that Northeastern. Yeah. Don't put that on the billboard. No. Yeah. Well, and by the way, the whole one shining moment thing, it's a cool concept. And I'm not saying they should change the song simply because I agree tradition should stay how it is. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean I have to like it. Hmm. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with not liking that song. Hmm. So get off my back. All right. Well, what's wrong with the song, though? It's just I, I, if it if I had it my way, which I don't. But if I had it my way, I would have a more upbeat song, huh. like a more like a, a song that I don't know. I just don't think it really fit. It's like oh, this is nice. Jake will continue to break down lyrics after the break. You can hit us up at eight 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 nine nine three seven seven six two. The morning drive returns after this. Welcome back to the show, Jake. Uh, you want to do that reader for us? Yeah, oh yeah. Yes. Unfortunately. And life, bad things happen to us. If you are struggling with some sort of trauma and want some professional help, you should consider EMDR Trauma Therapy from Amber White at Fern Foundations Counseling in Monroe. Amber White is one of the few therapists in our area certified in EMDR therapy, a therapy which uses eye movement and other stimulation to assist clients in processing distressing memories and beliefs. Blue Cross, Vantage, and TRICARE insurance is accepted at Firm Foundations, if you're interested in learning about and learning more about EMDR trauma therapy, call Firm Foundations Counseling today at 318-654-7010. That's 318-654-7010. Or go online to myfirmfoundations.com for more information. Uh, in case you missed it over the weekend with uh, college baseball and, of course, a lot of the games being played Thursday, Friday, Saturday instead of Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, the biggest storyline has to be what Tech continues to do on the diamond. For the month of March, they went 17-4. and four. They are now 22-8 and eight on the year. They win 2-3 versus Florida International. They once again get some pretty solid pitching, including Logan Bailey improving to 4-1 and one on the year. His ERA just over 2 now for the season. Uh, the Diamond Dogs now have five games this week, so it'll be challenging. We always look forward to catching up with Lane Burroughs. He will join us tomorrow. Uh, the Dogs will be squaring off against Grambling tomorrow, then a midweek matchup versus Little Rock at home before going on the road this weekend versus Texas San Antonio. And they also rebounded from losing game one of the series. They lost 9-7 to and came back and won the next two games to win that series. And now they've won you know, the first three series uh, to start the season, which is the first time they've done that since 1992. And I believe they have now won, dating back to last year, six conference series in a row. It's incredible. And here's what Lane Burrow said um, about it. So we're 30 games into the season. One thing you can say about these guys that they've shown 
a resiliency to bounce back. That's the sign of a good team, a team that can suffer a bad loss, put it behind you, and find a way to win the next one and the series. We've shown that this year early on. And then, uh, Graham, we can talk about a, a big series against Texas Southern. Uh, they come back to win in walk-off fashion, 9-8 to win that series. Big win for them. Uh, they will, of course, host Tech on Tuesday. Then they will travel to Prairie View. LSU against Mississippi State, we called it a must-win series, or at least Jake did, and Chris Blair uh, agreed with him. Yeah, that's just so tough. you got to take advantage of playing one of the weaker teams in the conference, and that's what Mississippi State is now following the loss of their head coach. And so they went out there – and they won the series ultimately, which is which is great. And you also had another brilliant outing from Mikael Hilliard, which is you know I think he's now six and one. The one loss was a one to nothing loss to Vanderbilt in seven innings. Mm-hmm. So he has been outstanding this year. You were keeping tabs of him last year in the high school ranks, and uh, he was something special. I, but 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 you didn't expect this. Yeah, and make anybody, that jump. and let me say this, because I, I was getting a little annoyed. I saw some people tweeting. Anybody who was calling him being this good at LSU, being the Sunday starter and kind of locking that down, I, I'm calling your bluff there. That's Nobody expected him to be that good, especially when all the talk was centered around A.J. Labus and Nick Storrs. So anybody trying to claim that, give me a break. This guy has been – he came out of nowhere as far as being that Sunday starter. and Good for him. He's been awesome this year. Mm. And then, of course, uh, ULM, and this was important just to not get swept at Texas Arlington. After you drop the first two two games, they come back and they win game three against the Mavericks, two to nothing. Three guys combined for the shutout. Now just a tough road trip in midweek games when you get two match two games against the Razorbacks up there. Yeah, good luck playing the Razorbacks. I know our Arkansas fans are looking forward to that one as well. In fact, uh, the voice of the Warhawks, Nick White, will join us after the break on the morning drive. If you have a question or a comment, please hit us up. Stuart Shelby, text slash hotline, 888-993-7762. We're back after this. Welcome back to the morning drive. Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group 1 Realty Studio in West Monroe. We've had this conversation numerous times about how Jake has put his foot down and refuses to go to a wedding, correct, during a football season? Yes. Nick White, the voice of the Warhawks, joins us on the Stuart Shelby hotline. And, of course, uh, Nick attends a wedding over the weekend. So uh, you did not turn down that invitation, even though it was during the Final Four, Nick. How did that play out with you keeping tabs on the games? Well, now, you have to understand, <laughs> there, there, are, there are some concessions that you have to make. And, and even during the fall, I've said it, it has to, you know, as a family, you, you you, you really don't have a choice. I mean, you've got to you got to do it. Um, and so this was my brother-in-law's wedding. Uh, obviously, my wife's brother was uh, was getting married. Um, but it was uh, you know I was able to work it all out. Plenty of time to to plan. Uh, you know, the biggest thing is obviously you know having to get my my baseball obligations covered uh, as far as play by play. So I uh, was able to get that uh, taken care of and, and got that. Uh, covered and and so um, you know trying to trying to keep track of uh, of obviously ULM uh, you know that uh, was challenging uh, you know trying to listen but also you know keeping up your your family obligations but uh, you know the wedding is going on and I'm in North Carolina too so obviously there's there's a time change and all that that's going on 
uh, try to keep tabs of the Final Four. I didn't get to watch uh, any any of the action on Saturday except for the last two minutes of Villanova, Kansas, and we got back to the hotel. Well, obviously, your, your, your phone didn't work. <laughs> that, you didn't want to do. You, you didn't want to do the phone. Well, thing? I, there was something going on. Yeah, I mean, you got to kind of, you know. Um, yeah. Got to enjoy. Uh, I mean, you got you got to be respectful, right? You know, I mean, you got to. I got two kids too running around too, and um, so you know, obviously, I'm, I'm checking. I'm checking the scores. I got you know, family that that you know, some family that, that I've never met. Uh, my wife, uh, my, my father-in-law, uh, has a big family, uh, all from Ohio, and so uh, we've been married 12 years. Uh, I'm coming 12 years now, Amber and I, but. Um, I've never met, uh, you know, most of that side of the family. So uh, this was actually my, my first time. And, man, what a crew now. Uh, you know, he's got seven brothers and sisters. And then, uh, you know, they, they've got obviously, you know, kids. I mean, I met, you know, Cousin Jim and, you know, Aunt Amy and Uncle Jim. And, man, it was fun. It was a blast. And uh, I got a good story, you know, relating to Michigan here in a moment because most of them are Ohio State fans. But, um so uh, anyway, you know, uh, could, I couldn't get the March match. I did try to pull up the Loyola Michigan game, and for some reason, uh, the March Madness app wasn't working for me. Technology guys, you know, once again, you know, we we we're in 2018, and people want to try to say, you know, go with, you know, smartphones and watching everything online. But uh, it's still, you know, even in this day and age, it's still an, to me at least an unreliable uh, form of of being able to watch things. So. Um, I was able to keep track of it from time to time and uh, see what was going on and uh, obviously track what was going on with baseball as best I could. And, um, you know, uh, had a great wedding, fun time, blast, I'm worn out. Um, had to get out on the dance floor. I, you know, made my mark. Uh, I was won over by the family, by my incredible dance moves on the dance floor and uh, won them over with Get Low because uh, I got low and uh, feeling it still today. But uh, we're back and uh, ready to go and uh, heading up to, to Arkansas after the coaches show here today to get back in the groove of baseball. So, uh, But uh, you know, I want to get, get to the Michigan story here in, in a moment. Uh, it, All right, well, tell us, what uh, was the brouhaha with the family? All right. I guess it did not so, center, so the both of the family. The now, you know, we talk about rivalries, all right, and, and so – I, I believe, you know, Duke, North Carolina, you know, we talk about that. You know, people want to talk about LSU, Bama, and, and, and obviously I don't really think, you know, I think it's it's more of a one-sided rivalry on, on the LSU side or, or anything like that. But, um, you know, you talk about pure pure down hate. I mean, it, it's it's Ohio State, Michigan. I mean, this stuff runs, runs deep. And um, let's just say um, Friday night um, – that's whenever I was really starting to meet uh, most of, of my wife's uh, family uh, for the first time and getting to know them. And, you know, most, the, you know, 90% of, over 90% of them, that is just one, one portion of the, one, one family of the, the mass of the family. Uh, everybody's Ohio State except for this, this one portion, this one, you know, obviously cousin and, and husband and, and the two kids. And uh, they're Michigan people, all right? And so, I kid you not, whenever I'm introduced to them by my father-in-law, um, you know, hey, this, this is my cousin Amy, and this is her husband Jim, and there's the kids Liz and Matt, and uh, they're Michigan fans. I mean, that's how I was introduced to them, all right? And I'm kind of like, 
okay, you know, and, all right. And so that, that stems some conversation. So I asked Jim, you know, how this happened? He told me that his brother played for Michigan, which is understandable, you know, so get all that, you know, get all that backstory in there. So uh, then, then, you know, about an hour later, after some, uh, some libations have been consumed by, by a few people, including my father-in-law, he, he tends to uh, say, yeah, he's a real you-know-what, and all that stuff like that. So anyway, the, the, the truth starts to come out about, you know, this is family here we're talking about. So fast forward to Saturday, as we're tracking scores and wedding, you know, this, the, the reception's going on, and once again, uh, there's some, some, some things that are flowing, you know, all about. The family's having a good time and all that, and... Uh, so obviously it, it, it come, it's coming to the end. Well, you know, cousin-in-law Jim starts to get a little mouthy there, Mr. Michigan, and uh, let's just throw the rest of the family, uh, who's all Ohio State, they weren't uh, they weren't having a whole lot of it. And uh, me being uh, Mr. Louisiana, I had to kind of be a little bit of a peacemaker in there. But uh, we're talking about basketball here. You know, people want to talk about football and all that, but uh, we're talking about family. But <laughs> this stuff goes deep, guys. I mean, they're they're talking about. You know, uh, and you know, Ohio State wasn't involved in this, obviously, but uh, it was pretty funny. I mean, that the cooler heads prevailed at the end of it, and uh, but it was it's pretty cool to see, pretty cool and, and interesting and crazy to say the least to see uh, family uh, getting involved in the uh, Ohio State Michigan rivalry, and uh, just to see uh, how deep that that uh, that rivalry and that hate goes uh, in that in that situation. So it's safe to say you shouldn't have a family reunion when Ohio State and Michigan play during the football season. That would not work out well. I don't think that would work. Um, I mean, you know, the, the one course, those, those four, they don't stand a chance. I mean, I'm talking about this, this, this was mind-blowing. And, uh, I mean, how much family I've got. It's good to know that, that if I'm ever in Ohio and I'm in any trouble, uh, I can call the Stoltz clan and uh, they, they got they got my back now. So, uh, but it, it was cool and uh Good, good, good time, and got got a new uh, sister-in-law now, and we had a, a, a fantastic time, and uh, you know now uh, we're worn out, and uh, just trying to trying to get back in the groove of things here, and uh, you know hit, hit, I'm on the road again, you know like I said, right after the show, uh, hitting the road and uh, heading on up to Fayetteville to uh, get ready for some midweek baseball. You did not have the call, obviously. Uh, ULM does win one game against Texas Arlington. They salvage the weekend by getting the third game against the Mavericks. Now the Warhawks will try to, I guess, bounce back. It's not going to be easy. Two midweek games versus Arkansas. And then this weekend, a a huge series versus Texas State. And I know they got a lot of things planned out at Warhawk Field for this one. Yeah, and and let's talk about Arkansas first. They played them two years ago, uh, played the Razorbacks up in in Little Rock, actually, at the minor league park. And uh, I want to say it was a 1-0, 2-0 ball game. It was you know, really close there in midweek. And so, um, you know, midweek's going to be different than weekends, but Arkansas is awfully good. And, and I, I cannot tell you what they did this weekend. I believe they played old. Did they play Ole Miss this weekend? I want to say they did. Um, but uh, I know they're going in, and there's like 15 bajillion polls out there in college baseball, but I think they're, in most of them, in the top 10, or at least going into the weekend, they, they were ranked top 10. Uh, I've never been to Bomb Stadium. I heard it is just, you know, a fabulous place to go watch college baseball. So, uh, really excited to, to head up there and, and go and check that out. Uh, so, that'll be quite a challenge there, um, you know, for the midweek for Coach Fed. This is their only 
I guess, true midweek series that they have, and it works out. I mean, this is spring break for them, so uh, you know they'll they'll be hitting the road today as well and, and heading up there and getting ready for this. But uh, you mentioned this weekend, and you know Texas State started out red hot, and they've kind of cooled off as uh, league play has gone on here. And um, this is a big series because these two teams are, are tied in the standings in the Sun Belt, and uh, you know it's never too early to start looking at. You know, the 10 teams who are going to go to Lafayette for the Sun Belt Tournament, and that's really the goal of this team, and I think that's how you gauge uh, if it's going to be a successful first year for Coach Fed is, is if they make the tournament, um, you know, and, and something they haven't done, you know, in, in the past three years. And so, um, you know, and that's what I've kind of been gauging it off of as well. And, and I think this is one of those series where you've got to look at, if you want to make the tournament, you need to go and win this series here against Texas State. You get them at home. Uh, here, they, they're obviously a very talented team, but I think there's a lot of talented teams inside this league right now, and it's very balanced. Um, so you got six o'clock on Friday, two o'clock on Saturday, one o'clock on Sunday, um, and, and obviously you want to go and win the games at Arkansas, but uh, you really, you know, got to got to buckle down and and try to get ready for Texas State. Uh, you know, I was really proud of the way they they came out on Saturday, just tracking as best I could. Um, you know, this this much maligned pitching staff, they've had their hiccups, obviously, but they've also, you know, had some spectacular performances and they've been able to piece together and get some shutouts in there. That's three three shutouts in two weekends, you know, whenever they look at their pitching staff. They hadn't had a shutout prior to that since 2016. So I think, you know, while there have been some, some struggles in there, I think you've got to give Grayson Crawford a lot of credit their pitching coach and coach fed who also that that's kind of his area they've really worked hard with those guys to try to you know get them prepared and, and piecing some things together to try to get them set and they're going to have their challenge against texas state uh this weekend i know on friday uh, they're going to have uh, a, a lot of festivities honoring uh, uh tessa hendrix who is cole hendrix's uh, mother, uh, of course, uh, you know, we, we know the story about, uh, you know, she passed away uh, just before the season started from a, a courageous battle with cancer. And, uh, you know, I know you visited with Coach Fed about, you know, how the team and he really rallied around Cole and a senior from LaSalle and, and, you know, obviously dealing with that difficult situation. And he's had his challenges uh, with an off-season surgery as well. And, um, but dealing with the death of his mother, they're gonna uh, they're gonna have some a fundraiser in honor of her uh, this weekend on Friday. Uh, that's gonna be going on, uh, and then this weekend as well, alumni weekend. A lot of the festivities are gonna be going on Saturday. They're gonna be honoring the 2008 uh, Sun Belt Championship team. Coach Shake Snyder will be back uh, in the building. Looking forward to seeing Coach Shake. Uh, hopefully, he'll be heading up to the booth, and I'll get to talk with him for a couple of innings as well on Saturday. But it's not just uh, – obviously, they're going to honor the 2018, but this is, you know, inviting all alumni of ULM baseball back in for the weekend. And we got a lot of alumni uh, that are right here in the area uh, that are all going to be welcomed back in uh, to Warhawk Field, something that, you know, uh, it's been a point of contention. You know, I know we all know a lot of baseball alums, and that's that's kind of been talked about as well. And that's something Coach Federico has really made an effort to to really reach back out to to those individuals and their families and try to get them back plugged into the program. So, I think that'll be fun to see a, a lot of folks uh, coming back and being involved in the program. I know they're going to have a lot of festivities over the weekend. They're going to have some stuff going on down the right field line for those guys and. 
and then honoring uh, that team, you know, 10 years ago, uh, winning the Sun Belt Championship. So a lot going on. Uh, hopefully the weather will, will be good this weekend. I haven't looked that far ahead, but uh, also an important uh, three-game set against Texas State this weekend. And then, you know, the, the, the schedule kind of softens up for them. Not a lot of midweek action, uh, you know, really, you know, not a lot of travel as far as midweek goes as well. So uh, you really kind of settle in and start focusing on these uh, conference series from here on out. And uh, that, that'll kind of, you know, be what they try to do, try to make a push, try to get to the Sun Belt Tournament in the last year. Appreciate it, Nick. Have a great week. All right, guys, one shining moment, Jake. You better stay up and watch it. Mm, there you go. On mute. On don't mute. miss oh, it, man. I don't know, though. This 820, this, this, is, this is really unfair. 820 tip-off. Well, think about this. 920 in the, the Eastern time zone is terrible, by the way, for sports watching. It is mm. terrible. Uh, think about that. I mean, you're you're not going to bed if you're watching one shining moment. You're, you're not in bed till midnight if you're in the Eastern Time Zone. Mm-hmm. And uh, guaranteed, Blood Bank bet Aaron Dietrich will miss some of the great action because he'll be on the desk whenever this is all uh-huh. going down at night. Blood and Bank. Blood be Bank. Three, there'll literally be three people watching. <laughs> and I'll be text, I'll be texting you tonight uh, in the hotel while it's all going down. Blood Bank as well. It's going down. So all see right, you guys. Later. Hey, by the for the record, uh, Arkansas lost two or three against Ole Miss. The yeah. Rebels, of course, ranked uh, fourth in the country. Mm-hmm. Arkansas won the uh, first game six to four. Then they lost two squeakers five to four. Then eleven to ten. Of course, you got ULM versus Arkansas on Tuesday. Yes. Let's take a timeout. Coming up next, Jake is raring to go. He's got some parting shots for you after the break. Welcome back to the show. Time to end the Monday show with a bang. It's a little segment we call Parting Shot. What kind of flim-flam operation y'all running up there, man? Our parting shots may make you think a little. You all speculate and create things, and then you want people to respond to it. Nothing is off limits. Sorry if you're offended by that. Just trying to just trying to be cooperative and help you out. We take aim at some of the bad boys. Oh, my. 5150, somebody call the popo. Pucker up. Ain't nobody got time for that. It's time to show your host some love spectacular group of men you go find them you throw your arms around them you give them a big kiss on the mouth if you're a girl our parting shot oh baby you can have your 500 million dollar jackpot in powerball or whatever the heck it was but i'll take this baby Man, i hadn't heard that one in a long time that I've was an oldie but goodie and hey, listen that. i've always wondered why you hadn't had more or less miles yeah you do have it you just haven't uh, played it and i'm this seems appropriate. I am still fascinated by this story about him going all in on his acting career. This has so many different levels. Well, I think he could be good at it. Well, some would say he was acting throughout his uh, <laughs> coaching career. <laughs> I'm not one to say that. Yes. Um, the problem. So he's been is... reading and auditioning for uh, different scripts, yeah. and then. He's been practicing using his uh, cell phone and, and then, of course, uh, looking into the mirror and uh, doing other things. So will this work out? And this article is pretty good by Ross Dellinger. If you get an opportunity, check it out on The Advocate. talks about the fact that the first time he met Tom Cruise and they expected it just to be a, hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you. And the conversation literally went on for 20 minutes, the Mad Hatter and Tom Cruise. Well, here's my thing. Do you, you know how certain actors improv? Yeah. Do you think they'll allow him to kind of improv his own lines? Where you no. know, I'm saying they'll give him dialogue, but he'll he'll make it 
It'll, it'll change it into less miles. Well, that battle. would mean it'd be like a one line. It would turn into like six lines. <laughs> yeah. it and it would drag the movie on. And the movie's supposed to be for <laughs> like hour an hour and 50 minutes. And the next thing you know, I have three minutes, uh, three hours of less miles. Yeah. Well, I'd right. just be interested to see if this works out. Or if he'll just be, you know, a little Honestly, up Aaron, here. he'll probably be in a commercial. <laughs> like, well, that's probably what we'll get. Uh, Another Kane's commercial. There you go. So uh, look for uh, less miles, perhaps, on a big screen near you soon. By the way... Uh, movie review time does continue. I watched a movie last night. Very good. Uh, three billboards. Yeah, check it out. It's I, a little salty, but it was good. I wanted to. I've been wanting to see it. I've heard good things. I liked it. Yeah. I didn't really like care for the ending. Not a spoiler alert, but uh, check it out. Are you one of those happy ending type peoples? It has to end with a no, happy ending. I just want your conclusion to a movie, and then uh, I would. You know, I watched. I saw Death Wish earlier in the week. Oh, I would say it ranks just ahead of Death Wish. <laughs> I don't know if that's a that good does mean nothing. Well, Death Wish isn't going to win a be up for an award or anything. Death three billboard three billboards was. Death Wish shouldn't even be watched if we're being honest. Bruce Willis, the comeback continues. Okay, yes. Just keep getting that paycheck, Bruce. Okay. All right. Uh now for some real parting shots. Um I first wanted to mention how cool it is for this Ogabawale. Yeah, there hope, you go. You I nailed hope I'm saying it. it right. The mm-hmm. Notre Dame girl. Um she had Kobe J.J. Watt, DeMar DeRozan, Justin Verlander, D. Wade, all these people tweeting about her. I just thought that was really cool, um, obviously, for hitting two uh, last-second shots to you know, win the championship against Mississippi State. That and goes back to Kayla Hill from uh, Grambling. And, of course, when oh, they went man. to the NCAA tournament, I asked her flat out, is this as cool as LeBron, of course, tweeting and commenting on Probably you? And not. she said, no, <laughs> no, nothing will top that. No, nothing. Um, but – to stay in line with basketball, I got a question for you. This is what Dickie V tweeted uh, yesterday. He do a podcast? Or Saturday. No, he tweeted this. Okay. The time has come to push the three-point line back to the international distance and widen the lane. The game is becoming dominated too much mm. by the three-point shot. Do you share his sentiments? No. I like the way it is. I think that's just an easy thing to say at this point after Villanova has now made, what, 443 of these suckers. Mm-hmm throughout the year that is new, a new NCAA record. The fact that they hit 14 in the first half and, what, 18 in the semifinal game. Uh, easy uh, bait there for uh Agreed. Easy no. way to kind of create mm-hmm. some headlines. Um, my other parting shot was this, and it's a clip from Mark Emmert. That he's talking about um, why the NCAA should, should not allow players to be paid. Here's what he said. Help those understand all this talk about got to pay the males, got to pay the males. What happens to the women? Well, I think, again, you got to remember this is in the context of higher education. It's in, these are educational universities and colleges that are conducting these games, and you have to abide by the educational laws of the United States. You've got to provide women with the same opportunities and support that men receive. If you were going to pay salaries to male um, athletes, you'd have to do the same thing for female athletes, and, and you'd have to come up with some explanation to the federal government as to why you would possibly not do it for one group versus another, and I, I think that's completely untenable. I think the other issue is that if you were going to move into a model where you were just paying football and basketball athletes, that's the argument that always comes forward, uh, the, the way athletic departments are going to do that is they're going to eliminate other sports, and there's, there's really no other way for them to do it. Yeah, if you just looked at the revenue from football, you might be able to figure out how to pay football players, 
but you would eliminate all the other mm -hmm. sports that are out there in order to do that and take away opportunities from men and women. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. I, I saw you kind of shaking your head at the first part. Yeah. Well, because he sounds just like he, what he is, a suit, a politician. Yes, but that last point yeah. is pretty good. If, yeah. if you're looking at it, if you're looking at the bottom line of paying players, why would you keep the sports that don't make revenue? Why you couldn't. You couldn't if you're paying, you know, athletes. Mm -hmm. So that's another good point for him, for mm -hmm. the NCAA. Uh, I thought it was worthy enough to, to share. Yeah, well, good job, Jake, bringing that up at the end of the show. Why don't you have that at the beginning we'll of the show? We talk about All right. What else we got going on tomorrow? Uh, Lane Burroughs joins us for his weekly yeah. conversation. Uh, Gus Kattengill also. And uh, we'll break down the national championship game. Yes, and we can get into this conversation. 888-993-7762. The boys coming up next. The Edge, they want to hear from you. Thanks for listening to Morning Drive. We'll be back bright and early tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. See ya. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.